Hello and welcome to the Step Over Pod, episode 69. Oh yeah. My name is Jim with me as always is Max Rappaport. Max, how you doing out there in Seattle? Very nice. You can breathe the air now, that's good. It, uh, yeah, I can breathe easy, breathe easy after uh, a couple weeks of, um, I think they were saying it's the equivalent of smoking like nine cigarettes a day for like a week out here, uh, how bad the air quality because of the fires on the West Coast. Yeah, so, you know, just not great in general. No. No, not ideal. Uh, other things that aren't ideal, let's hop right into it, Max. Sixers still don't have a GM. Uh, and not only do they not have a GM, uh, some breaking news, I guess it was yesterday or two days ago, that you shouldn't expect any breaking news anytime soon. Uh, that basically the Sixers are much like last year's free agent class, having an eye for next season possibly, um, that the people they want or the person that they want specifically to fill the GM role uh, is either currently unavailable or currently uninterested. And therefore, um, after some promotions within the organization, um, but none to general manager, uh, they will basically seem to stand pat. Uh, what do you think of this, Max? Um. I think it's disappointing that they weren't able to attract someone this summer, just given given where the team's at, uh, the roster they have, the flexibility they have, the future draft picks. Like I, I just kind of anticipated them being able to snag one of those guys. Um, like I know, obviously, R.C. Buford and Daryl Morey were, were like long shots, um, but I thought between, you know... Um, just some of the guys who are respected around the league who aren't in uh, situations that are as promising. I just thought there'd be an opportunity to maybe snag one of those guys, um, you know, in like the top third of GMs, like not not a Buford, not a Daryl Morey, um, you know, not even like a Sam Presti. But I, I thought there'd be a chance for them to snag someone who was an upgrade from Brian Colangelo. And it seems like they think there's a chance for that next year. Uh there was the reporting or, or at least like um, speculation about R.C. Buford being like the main guy they're, they're looking at from the Spurs just because uh, you have that team kind of reaching the end of, um, you know, with, with Kawhi gone now and Manu retiring or whatever. They're, they're basically at the end of that rope and uh, Popovich probably isn't far from retiring or moving on. So I think there was a thought that like maybe you can snag Buford, which would be a huge get. He's, you know, one of the best. GMs of our generation, um, but I, I, my my concern is that they're going to spend this year waiting until next spring, unless they have something you know up their sleeve or, or they feel like they have a soft committal uh, or commitment. You know, my worry is that they spend this year um, waiting out on a guy like that and then striking out next year, and then at that point, it's like you just have to hire somebody or pro- promote from within, and um, it would just kind of suck to be in a position where you've. I don't feel like it's much of a wasted year because you kind of want to stand pat this year anyway, but I'm sure there'll be opportunities at the trade deadline. I'm sure, you know, um, it's just not great to like have that whole lead it lead up to the draft next year without a, the GM that you hope is going to be leading you forward for a while. So like, I just don't want to see it get to next year and then they go out and they hire like Rich Cho or something. Um, yeah. Someone they could have had this summer, or or, or a free agent GM like David Griffin, who they could just have right now, probably. Right. I'm of a couple of minds about it. First, being the good. There's there's the good of it, which is, I think it shows that 
of the staff you have there, which it being, you know, your, your analytics staff, your basketball operations staff, your assistant GMs, uh, all that kind of stuff. It shows you have confidence in those people and you want to keep them around uh, and keep them there because, you know, every time you bring a GM, they want to bring their own people in and all that kind of stuff. So that's good. That, that shows confidence and that you like the crew you have. Now, uh, Max, do you know why every team in the NBA except for the Sixers has a GM right now? Why is that? It's because you need a GM to run a sports franchise. You don't do it without one. If you did it without one, then like some teams might not have one. But every team has one because it's a necessary role, right? You don't have, you know, you don't like start making a movie with a director and then like the director has to leave for whatever reason. And then just go, ah, you know what? We'll go without a director. Everyone else is pretty good. And then we'll be fine. No, you get a different director to finish it because that's what you have to do. Because it's an important part of running a sports franchise. And the idea of not having one, even if you just slap an interim tag on somebody, and even if they don't actually structurally change anything, even if it's just an assistant GM who has the tag of interim GM, it makes a huge difference to just not having someone in that role. Because, like you mentioned... Let's make the comparison to the LeBron thing, right? So the idea being this offseason, you were gunning for LeBron or Paul George or, or whoever, blah, blah, blah. Let's just say it's LeBron, right? The only way to make your team better is not by getting LeBron. Obviously, getting LeBron does make your team better, but there are other ways to do it, correct? So then if you strike out on LeBron, do you just say, ah, you know what? Nevertheless, we'll just move on and not make any changes at all and hope to get somebody next year. No, you say, ah, crap, that was set. That was a bummer. Wish we could have gotten LeBron, but let's make other moves to improve the team. I feel like the GM search should be done the same way. You wanted R.C. Buford, you wanted Daryl Morey. They both said no, or they both said maybe next year. But the thing is, you need a general manager. So you say, ah, that <coughs> sucks, but you know what? We need someone to fill this role, so we have to do it. It's a bummer, but you have to have a general manager to run a sports franchise. So that, to me, seems kind of insane. Well, are you saying then that you would prefer them just put like Eversley or Ned Cohen in that role? But yes, uh, yeah, I think that's yes. basically what they're doing. I mean, they're kind of saying Brett Brown is that person. It, it seems right, but like. also, but here's the thing, right? So you know, I don't know Eversley or Ned Cohen personally. Obviously, I know very little about what they think about how to build a basketball team, right? But ideally, you would think if you want, let's just say R.C. Buford for this example, if you want Buford next year, then Buford, in your mind, is more important than Eversley or Cohen, right? So, promote one of them to the GM, have them be the GM this year, if they're great, then like, awesome, we're set, we don't need anybody else. Then if you get Buford next year, and that person's like, well, I wanted to be the GM, so I'm leaving now, you're like, all right, well, sorry, we got the guy we wanted. But, the key to that strategy versus strategy now is, you have a GM, it seems so insane to me that you wouldn't. Like, would you go with just a smattering of assistant coaches but no head coach? No, because it's insane. So to not have a GM or have Brett Brown operating as GM, which I think the general consensus among fans and uh, media people and seemingly Brett Brown is that we don't want that. We don't want 
Brett Brown being the de facto GM. And it doesn't seem like Brett Brown wants that. So why wait? Unless R.C. Buford flat out told you, promised you, I'm coming next year, in which case to say, let's leave this year, you jerk. Um, it just makes no sense to me. But it makes plenty of sense given the history of this ownership group. Because I can't personally think of a decision they actually made on their own since, I guess, hiring Brett, right? Because you hired Sam, you hired Brett. Uh, Again, the general consensus is that Sam was pushed aside and then kind of shoved out of the way. They were handed Jerry Colangelo. They were handed Brian Colangelo by Jerry Colangelo. They were basically, their hand was forced to get rid of Brian Colangelo. So those, none of those were actual decisions that they made. They were decisions that were kind of thrust upon them. And now it's time to actually make a decision, and they're just not doing it. Well, it's kind of their modus operandi. With, it's kind of what you're saying, but it's what they've done with everything. Like, everything just drags on with, with yeah. them. I mean, even hiring uh, Brett Brown was like it was mid-August or whatever it was before they finally hired him. Um you know, along the way, I feel like you've seen a lot of instances, a lot of even on like the business side of things where they just like, I mean, how long do they talk about a practice facility? And then it took them a long time to get it off the ground. And then, you know, took longer than was expected. And, you know, um, I, I just like never, and nothing's ever like on schedule with them. And there's always hiccups and there's always like seemingly uncertainty from ownership down. Um, and I think this is maybe an instance of that, but I, I think it could be positive. Like, I think it's better than them going out and getting whoever the next Brian Colangelo is. Like, I think I think if you want to wait and try to maximize your chance, it's sort of like with free agency this year. It's like, if you think next summer you might be able to sign Clay Thompson or uh, Jimmy Butler or something instead of throwing a couple deals at, you know, throwing money at Rodney Hood because you think you can get him and someone else, like, you know, Julius Randle, you know, Whatever, like I, I'd rather wait and see what you can get next summer. Um, it is a weird position they're in because, like I said, I think Brett Brown is kind of the de facto interim GM, but they're not giving him that title probably because it's, uh, I think, like politically and just whatever why it's just difficult to give him that title and then strip it in eight months or whatever it's going to be. So I think they're they're kind of wink nod saying like he'll have final say, which like what is that except for he is the interim GM basically. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's really just gonna be Brett Brown, which I think is fine. I think that's better than it being Eversley or Ned Cohen or um, whoever else uh, internally, just because I think Brett Brown's going to be the more, co- the, the constant there, like whoever of Eversley or Ned Cohen um, would be the interim GM. I think, I think it's uh, like, those people might be here under the next GM, but Brett Brown is going to have much more sway and much more influence on what the team looks like two years from now, a year from now, than either of those guys. So I think it makes sense to give Brett, Brett Brown's the guy I'd most want to give that that sway to. Okay, yeah, sure. But at the same time, don't they still have a mid-level exception they haven't used? That's true. There's GMing to be done. And and the the thought that always goes through a lot of people's minds, I think, is like, all right, so if someone's calling to make a deal with you and the phone rings, who answers the phone, right? I think the more important question is who picks up the phone and dials it? 
if you if you want to make a deal. Anybody can can take an offer and and you know come back with a counter offer or say no. But a big part of building a team and doing things with this young team that is, you know, that is growing and and has, still has holes in it and still has things that need to improve on is actively looking for people to acquire and then trying to acquire them instead of having, you know, deals thrust to you, right? And yeah. I don't know what the system is for that. And if the system is um, have the staff do it as they do and then present it to Brett and then Brett has final say, then just name them interim GM. <clears throat> I don't see the problem with that. Does, does naming Brett Brown interim GM and then stripping of that title, is Brett going to be mad about it? It doesn't seem like it. But the idea that the team just doesn't have one is insane to me. I can't think of a time when a a sports franchise, not like midseason, one gets fired and they're kind of whatever, or towards the end of the year, like I remember when uh, the Phillies got rid of Ruben Amaro. I don't know if they actually got rid of him or if it was just like announced that he was going to be gone. There was like, you know, three, four weeks left in the season. And that's kind of just like basically sending a notification out to all, all the candidates like, hey, we're going to have an opening. But I cannot think of a time when a team openly, willingly, and and publicly went into a season when they had at least, what, two months, two and a half months at this point to actually look and just decided to not have a general manager. Now, all this being said, and we're recording a podcast, so they'll hire somebody tomorrow morning. But it still seems so bonkers to me, and I can't really wrap my head around it. So what you're basically saying is it's 3 a.m. and Vlade Divac is calling. Who do you want answering the phone? I'm saying the opposite of that. I'm saying who do you want calling Vlade? <laughs> I, who, do yeah. you, who do you want, you know? Like, because, you know, it's very easy to, I mean, this is, I, I'm, I'm taking the complexities of being an NBA GM, which is like doctorate level shit and putting it in like kindergarten phrasing, right? But it's very easy to build a mediocre team in NBA 2K by only making trades that are offered to you. You got to make, and same thing in, in fantasy sports, right? It's, it's a very easy way to not be great and not be good if you only make deals when someone pitches something to you. It's actually actively seeking things out and actively trying to make deals that makes you good. And I don't know who's going to be doing that. And if yeah. it's, like I said, like if it's going to be the crew they have here and Brett, then just slap the interim tag on somebody and make sure they know that it's temporary. Yeah. I get that. I, I don't. I don't really see any real problem with giving Brett that title. I think that's what they've done, um, which I think in some ways is problematic. I don't anticipate Brett is going to be. Um, I think he'll be fielding calls and will be the final decision maker on those things. But like you said, I don't anticipate the Sixers until they have a, a full time GM reaching out to other teams about deals of any kind of consequence, um, and that I guess is for the next for the next however many months like a disadvantage the team is putting itself at that if, yeah, it's if, huge yeah it's a, it is a big disadvantage and i think even if the team calls too like if if somebody wants to call and and i i could see them making smaller moves making you know when draft time comes around next year if they have if they don't have someone i would hope by the time the draft comes around they have someone but in the lead up to the draft if somebody's looking to dump you know let's even say the deadline there's some sort of opportunity to like dump Jared Bayless and give up a pick and get someone more useful back. Like those are the kind of trades I think they could make. But what if somebody's offering like 
a legitimate young player or a pick and a player and wants Dario Saric. Like, I, that's a deal I don't anticipate Brett Brown making, not because I think um, he's incapable or because he he's too, like, future-focused. I think if any coach in the league is going to have that dual role, Brett Brown's one of the only guys who has, like, the longer view to do it. But I just think they're kind of... I would imagine he has a directive and, and feels some pressure to, like, not rock the boat and just, like... Keep keep it keep going forward until someone comes in, but you do lose out on some opportunities, and there's a potential for you know another team coming to you with a big trade, and you basically just not pulling the trigger because that's not the position you're in right now, not having a GM. Yeah, it just I mean I I've said my piece. It just doesn't but I don't but I don't know if but I don't know if giving Brett Brown that title or giving Ned Cohen the quote unquote title of GM changes that. I think they'd be in that position regardless. If, I don't. If, I don't agree. You you think though if if they gave let's say Ned Cohen if they made Ned Cohen the interim GM but with the knowledge that like next summer they're going to try to get someone more experienced and well thought of you think Ned Cohen would trade Dario and a pick for an all star level player or something next year like, I just don't see that happening. No, I don't think that's necessarily the thing. But I mean, if you have like again, if you have your collective effort, right? Like I said, just slap an interim title on somebody if it's not going to be a full time person. You have your collective team of people, your assistants, or your whole staff, because you know no GM makes trades just on a whim by themselves. So it's still a collective decision. <coughs> you need to have that person at the forefront. And if you know, God forbid, say something like you know, say Vladi calls just to use Vladi as an example, and they're trying to deal. I don't know who the fuck is on Sacramento anymore. Uh, and they're, you know, they're talking back and forth with a couple of teams and it's, you know, it's getting down to it. And they're like, all right, well, we want to have a deal done by tonight, this and blah, blah, blah. And then Brett's on the phone. He's like, all right, cool. I got to coach this game real quick. Can you hold on for like two hours? And that's, that's one of the dumb reasons why I think this being a coach and a GM just doesn't work for anybody. And I think there's a decent track record of it really never working. But you need someone who has that full time, Right. You need someone to be able to do that full-time because Brian Colangelo wasn't sitting there thinking about Brett's rotations, really. And Brett wasn't there thinking about the intricacies of the CBA. Mm -hmm. They're separate jobs that work together. And to have one person doing both of those or to have no one doing one of them, really, um, is not a recipe for a successful season to grow the team. You can have a successful season with this team as it is, but... Part of being a successful NBA franchise and a franchise in any sports is always looking for that little edge to take these incremental steps. And if you don't have a person whose job that essentially is, then I don't know what you're going to do. I think something you, you pointed out kind of swayed me too. And just thinking about like the last few years, they've kind of, if you look at like the, the Brian Colangelo era, with the exception of the Markel Fultz trade, um, they basically did just stand pat for a couple of years, like no real big shifts. They made a couple signings, nothing long term except for Bayless, uh, and even him it was three years and not a ton of money. Like, it, that's kind of what we're looking at now. Um, it's just another year of that, and I think you see how that kind of set the team back. Like the last couple yeah. of years, just kind of keeping things afloat and not making any big moves and not. Um, I mean, in some ways, it set them up to still have a lot of optionality and still have a lot of flexibility. But basically, you've just seen your assets uh, continue to accrue value and uh, mature, but you haven't seen anything beyond that in the last few years, other than if, right. if Fultz pans out. But even that, it's like what you gave up in Jason Tatum. I, I don't anticipate that 
at best, I think it's a wash. You know, obviously there's a worse case where it's where the Celtics really made out in that deal. But I think given what Jason Tatum's become, I don't think there's really any way to look at that as like it's it, it has the potential to be like a monstrous win. So if that's like right. the biggest thing you did was like maybe something that's a wash or slightly better than a wash if Marco Fultz really pans out. Like that's really the only positive thing you can look at from the last few years other than just bringing in veterans and signing J.J. Redick to a short-term deal and stuff that's helpful right now but probably won't have any effects a year from now. Right. And, I mean, the last two months of the season, Jared Bayless, last more than two months of the season, Jared Bayless was completely and totally out of the rotation. He's costing you $8 million, and he's still on the team. I don't know that, if that, that would to be different is, if they had a full-time a GM. Yeah. But at least if there was a full-time GM and it was stopping, like, all right, well, no one wants him. When you don't have a full-time GM in East you're like, all right, well, what's happening? It yeah. just opens you up to more questions, too. Yeah, I think, too, with, with Bayless, maybe there's a, I think a lot of people are freaked out about why he's still here, and I, I definitely think that it would be foolish for the Sixers to go through this entire season with him wasting a roster spot. and Make him the, the GM. Fuck it. Make him the GM. Um, sure. I guess so. As long as it doesn't take a roster spot. Like, I, I think I think I'm looking more at maybe the trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline as a better opportunity to dump Bayless than they've had to this point. Like I didn't want them to give up much of value unless they were in a position to sign a free agent to to get rid of Bayless. But I think, you know, it would disappoint me if they get to the trade deadline and pass that and Bayless is still on the roster. Because that's just a huge waste. Um yeah. Yeah. I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah. Well, moving on to someone who uh, is not a huge waste, hopefully. Great transition, Jim. Pat myself on the back for that one. Uh, we still haven't seen Markel Foles' jump shot, uh, which I am fine with and you are not fine with. Let's well, discuss. Yeah, this is like, you, you really set this up like we're on WIP right now or like on first take. Like, I don't, I don't have a super yeah. strong take about it. I guess we have a difference of opinion a little bit. Um, so, I guess this is, to, to go back a second, uh, at Behind Curve of Liberty Ballers, um, tweeted the other day, uh, on Fultz, I'm hearing the Sixers are encouraged by recent clips and maybe even how the shot held up during live action. It's not perfect, and there may be some ups and downs, but it's made steady progress. The plan is for big minutes and a starting role from the jump. Now, I think that's... I'm a little unsure of like what to make of all of that, because um, one, like I, I would hope the Sixers have seen more of Marco Fultz recently than just the clips from Drew Hanlon's stuff. Like, right, I yeah. If, if, you're make, if you're planning your, your opening night rotation and starting lineup based off of Drew Hanlon video clips then you should be fired immediately. Yeah, I would hope the Sixers are more involved in the, the whole Drew Hanlon thing than just that, than being sent yeah, some, right. raw, some raw video files. Um, 
However, that that's somewhat promising. I mean, I think the it's not perfect, and there's some, there'll probably be some ups and downs. It's like that's that's fine. That's kind of what I expected. Right, that's, yeah. um, the plans for big minutes in a starting role for the jump seems crazy to me. Uh, not because I don't think, you know, I thought one he was of those, really. Yeah. I thought he was really impressive last season without crazy. a jumper. But like, yeah, like if if it's not perfect, and there may be some ups and downs. Like they don't need to start him. Like they have. Right. The lineup they had last season with Ben Simmons at the one and Dario uh, out there with Covington, uh, JJ, and Embiid was perfectly fine. Like, I don't think I'm, I'm fine with big minutes. Even like you don't have Zaire Smith, you um, other than TJ McConnell are somewhat weak in terms of backup guards. Like, sure, play Fultz a lot, but I, the whole like the plan is to start him seems uh, maybe that's maybe that's just something they're putting out there for Fultz's sake or something. Although I don't really. Uh, that's not really for Fultz's sake if those things aren't true right. and he comes in not looking great. But um, that seems weird to me. But I guess we, I want to hear your thoughts, but then I want to talk a little bit about we haven't seen him yet and what to make of that. Yeah, before I before I get into me being fine with not having seen the jumper yet, that'll be our second topic. Uh, if, if you want to put a ton of minutes on him right off the bat, perfectly fine, sure, good by me. Um, he was like it was like strapping a four hundred pound ankle weight to, weight to your leg in the playoffs with him on the floor. So I hope some improvement from there. But starting role to me is nonsense. I don't. I would not do that because, firstly, even though there were question marks about how the fit would work and everything like that, the starting five they used last year, which would presumably be the same starting five they're going to start the season with this year, was one of the best starting five lineups, best five man lineups period in the entire NBA. So just to screw with that in any way. Uh, is seems to me just be to be silly. Uh, secondly, this is you know I don't think you should make um, rotational and minutes decisions based on who who gets who makes what uh, contract wise. Otherwise, you'd see some Jared Bayless minutes. But you just gave JJ Redick a bunch of money. Uh, I don't see you shooting him to the bench. Um, also, unless his unless uh, Markel's jump shot has leaps and bounds, not only back to where it was in college, but better than that. Putting him in the starting lineup outside instead of JJ is insane to me because JJ is the one dude in that starting lineup who can make jumpers, essentially. Uh, you know, Dario did a good job of it. Joel can make some jumpers, but Covington's, you know, unreliable. Uh, so just to swap him for that is, is crazy. If you want to bump out Covington... And kind of put, you know, essentially JJ and Fultz at the one and two defensively and shift some stuff around. That makes a little bit more sense to me, but I still wouldn't do it. Um, but yeah, I just I don't see the need, especially after all this talk about putting excess pressure on him and how that's bad for him. Probably, if you want to throw a ton of minutes on his back, I am totally fine with that. I think you know, throw him into the fire, try by fire a little bit. Starting him night one off the bat based off of video, like, Instagram clips and, you know, three-quarter speed, five-on-five in practice is not a good idea, I don't think. Yeah, I I will say I think I would imagine if he starts, it probably is Dario coming off. At least that's what I think would make the most sense, um, is you would still start J.J., you'd move Simmons, quote-unquote, to the four, even though he would bring the ball up a lot, I think using him like using those mismatches and him defending fours or threes uh, and Covington kind of defending whoever he doesn't defend on the wing, I think makes some sense. But 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think the fact that we haven't seen anything to this point is a little concerning to me. Like, I think if it looked great, we'd be seeing it. Um, like, I just, I just never buy. Um, it's kind of like what's that that thing people say about uh, headlines? Like when it's when it's a, when it ends in a question mark, the answer is no, right? Like when sure uh, for clickbait, it's like yeah. when when someone's you know when like Michael Avenatti for like three months is is teasing this like video he has or text messages he has from Donald Trump and it just like never comes out and he keeps teasing right. that it's there but he's not going to do it right now but maybe I will in the future if the time's right like I don't believe it like th that's that's bullshit like it's just, it's just like I need I need to see something or I don't really buy I've seen too many times that kind of thing happen and then it just goes nowhere and right. I'm not saying that there's been no progress because I think even from the little that we've seen and from what we've heard, there's clearly been some progress, like just seeing the still picture of Mark Elfold shooting in a what looks totally normal way is leaps and bounds ahead of anything we saw last season. But I just feel like it's clearly not at a point where I feel like they're waiting for it to get a little bit better before they show us or they're just going to wait until training camp when it's still not perfect. Um, sure. But I think if it looked if it looked like a, even a B plus, I think they'd be showing it. So See, my, here's, my, here's, yeah, go ahead. Let me say my thing is: Are you willing to admit that the only reason that you want to see it is because you just want to see it? I mean, yeah, I really want to see it. <laughs> okay, that's it. Because seeing it today or seeing it for the first time in preseason or regular season, whether it's great or awful, makes zero difference. The only difference it makes is people getting hyped up about it. And I think hype is bad in this case. Because also, everyone in the world looks better in an empty gym or on a, in a scrimmage or in an off-season five-on-five or whatever. Everyone looks better. So it's setting it up, setting a high bar. They're going to edit out the misses. It's going to be a whole thing. So I'm fine with people wanting to see it because they want to see it. But if it looks awful or if it looks great right now, it's going to look the same in a month and it won't make a difference if we saw it today or, or tomorrow or the night before the opener. So if you want to see it, that's totally fine. I just don't really care because it doesn't make any change or difference to any kind of any, anything else other than wanting to see it. And I just personally don't. I, I think my, my point is more that if I were hearing nothing, like there just weren't buzz and Drew Hanlon weren't doing his thing where he's like, you know, the uh, the carnival barker, like, getting us all roped in, I, I wouldn't feel that way. Like, with Ben Simmons. Like, Ben Simmons, I don't, I don't anticipate his jumper looking much better this summer um, or this season, but seeing that clip of him uh, playing whatever it was last week in scrimmages and just, like, fucking dominating and looking super slim and so quick, like, that makes me feel really good seeing that because, you know, that's just, like, okay, he's doing work in the summer, he's made all this progress, he's toned up his body, and there hasn't been a lot of, like, buzz about that. It's just something that he's done. It'd be one thing if, like, there had been no buzz about Marco Fultz, and then we were hearing, like, it's gotten a lot better, it's looking way better than it was, not perfect, but but good. It's that, like, they've been, like, they have been creating buzz, like, for, for Fultz. Even though they're not showing it, they've been, like, all they've been doing is dri driving up the hype for it. So See, I've, the fact I've, that I've they're driving up the hype so much and then not showing it makes me think they're driving up the hype, but they don't have the product yet to show us. And they're anticipating right. See, maybe I, it'll happen in the next month or two, but it's not right now. I figured it out. 
Okay. I want the original Friday the 13th, right? Where you're seeing through the killer's eyes for most of the movie. You don't see the killer till the very, very end, and it just builds up the suspense. You don't need to see the killer, right? You want the Friday the 13th remake where Jason Voorhees is out there crow hopping and throwing machetes and kicking people in the face. That's what you want to see. So it's just a difference in taste. But but I don't think it's that. It's that they're telling me I'm going to get the remake and what I'm getting is a bunch of bullshit. I'm getting a bunch of like Sapruder film like <laughs> trash. You're the guy behind me in Drive who was angry that it wasn't a Fast and Furious movie. That's who you are. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's. <laughs> I, I don't think that's who I am. I think. I think it's that. I think it's just that they've they've created so much hype around it that I just don't see why they would. I don't. But my my point is that why would it benefit them to create this much hype and then not put something out? And the fact who who is them? What do you mean in this situation? Just to be clear, uh, Drew Hanlon, I guess. Okay, so Drew Hanlon, Drew Hanlon made hype because Drew Hanlon's business is Drew Hanlon. That's why he made the hype. But it's not. But it's not helpful for him if he dr- drives up hype and then the product isn't. And then Fultz comes in and shoots thirty three percent from three this year. Yeah, it is because he shot zero percent from three last year. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, he improved it by a third. If he comes in and his jumper looks bad and it's not consistent, I don't think that's good for him. I think it's it just drawing go, attention. Was that? It can't go down. It, it literally can't get any worse. So any. Improvement at all, even if it's just confidence, is a stamp of approval for. Drew oh, Hanlon. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying that uh, if if I was taking someone from an F to a C minus, I wouldn't talk a bunch of shit about how great it's going to be and how he's going to look like a totally different player and shock the world for him to come out and be a C minus. I would just say nothing, and then when he's a C minus, people are going to think I'm Jesus Christ because I took him from an F to a C minus. The fact that he's know, driven man. up this much hype about it. That it's going to be a B plus, B, A minus, or A, and we haven't seen it yet, and it's been all this time, makes me think like it's not there. And he, even though he thought it was going to be there, like there was no, I don't see the upside for him to to have this reveal on, you know, opening night of the preseason. Like I just don't know why that's better for Drew Hanlon or for Marco Fultz. So that's I that's mean, why I have skepticism. It's like if if he had it right now, they'd be showing it because that would only be better for them to show it. C minus still gets degrees, man. That's true. Does it? But also, it made the same point that you're saying if he if the, if he had it, they'd be showing it. So what you're basically assuming is that he doesn't have it, yet Hanlon's still hyping it. So he kind of he's kind of slowed down on hyping it though. So like did, he, was it good? He, and he then it got down better? like a month ago. Um, he slowed down like a month ago, and also like the quotes from like uh, Jason Tatum was asked about like how he's looking and. Uh, I mean, he was positive, but he was like, <clears throat> he's like, oh, it looks a lot better than it did last year. He's improving, and I'm sure he'll just keep getting better. Like, if he looked awesome right now, Jason Tatum would be like, man, he's like a totally different player. He out, he's out there that. just like splashing in people's face. Uh, why wouldn't he say that, though? They're friends, and you, I feel like that's what guys know, say about it. You also every don't year know we hear friends. about like we hear about guys, you know, how they're in the best shape of their life, and they're like. When you hear anything but that, it's pro- it's like troublesome. If somebody's not Jason, in the best shape of their life, it means they like gained a bunch of weight this maybe summer. Jason Tatum don't give a shit about Markel Fultz. Maybe you don't know this. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna base how excited I am about Markel Fultz's jump shot off of a sentence and a half that Jason Tatum said in an interview that was essentially about Jason Tatum. But you and I are different people, Jim. Look, look. That's exactly here's, what I'll, I'm gonna I'll, do. I'll put it this way, though, too, right? 
if I'm me and you're you, which is, this is the facts, this is what we are, I'm me and you are you, and for some reason, I'm being interviewed all about me, and like the second question is like, so how's Max? I'm not going to be like, I'm like, yeah, Max is fine, whatever, move on. This is about me, Jason Tatum. I would hope he'd give me more than like, he's improving every day, and I'm sure he'll get <laughs> to a good point soon. <laughs> like, I, I would hope you'd say something more positive than that. He's making incremental steps to be a better podcast host and friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's about all I want to give them. That's it makes me sound like I'm an asshole, which... And then I, de- I demand that they cut it out or say, uh, sources familiar with the relationship say it's improving. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's... Good question. I guess I think that's exactly what we got was uh, sources familiar with saying it's improving. Yeah. Slightly, but not so. perfect. Um, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just not worried. <clears throat> All right. Well, we'll see in uh, roughly five hours when Drew Hanlon puts out an entire video on Marco Fultz's right, exactly. jump shot. This is all going to happen tomorrow morning. So, um, okay. Let's uh, get to questions. questions. Yeah, let's get to questions. We got a lot to yeah, speak. Cool. Um, I thought this was interesting. Derek Martin asks, uh, "Would you rather know everything else about the burner story? Who sent each tweet? Who was the anonymous tip, etc.?" but Brian Colangelo must remain GM? Or would you rather know what you currently know and Colangelo is out? Now, I asked a follow-up from the Stepover account. Uh, in this hypothetical, do only the two of us know this information or do Sixers fans get to enjoy in this too? He said, we would, we would get the information but be able to distribute it as we please. Um, but no matter, what, no matter what the public outrage is, BC still remains GM. Okay, I think I have an answer. Okay. First, just to clarify, even if he said only me and you knew, even if only I knew, everyone's going to know. Oh, yeah. We're I'm going to tell everyone. My, I'm not known for my secret keeping capabilities. Well, that's, I think that's the point. Is like, right. The only benefit for us knowing would be that it would be hilarious. I would say awesome. it's better the way it is now because, you know, when I was younger, I was into uh, conspiracy theories, right? So... I'd watch like all these shows about the Kennedy assassination, and I was like, "We never landed on the moon." Trust me, I'm 12, uh, and I got like books on it and stuff like that. And most of the books, it just might shock you, Max. Most of the books um, that are like written about like conspiracy theories are poorly researched. Um, but anyway, that's that's I digress. Um, the fun is in the not knowing. Because if you really, really, really strive to know, you kind of lose the plot a little bit in a lot of different ways. Plus, if you know everything, then I'm back to talking about the Colangelo situation. If you know every single detail... You're, you're not talking about whether or not we landed on the moon at this point? No. We landed on the moon, but there were some other... St- you know what? No, this is a different thing. Okay. So, we landed on the moon. That's fine. Um... It's okay. We'll move on. Don't get me started, man. Uh, It'll like, all right. So we were mad enough in the week or eight days or whatever that it took to get rid of him with the limited amount of information we had. If we knew every detail and we were satisfied, like, oh, it's good to know these things, yet he was still in charge, people would be furious. You wouldn't be able to enjoy the season. It would just, it would suck the enjoyment you had out of and of all of it or at least for me personally so i i say that it's much better the way it is now as much as i would kill to know every little detail um it's much better this way 
I totally agree. I think it would just be more frustrating. It'd be more frustrating than it would have been already if Colangelo hadn't been fired. Like when there was that brief time and it looked like he might stay and it was right. just like, how am I going to root for this team? Like, how am I going to get excited about this season um, with him still here? It would be even worse because you just know everything. I'm sure I am so confident that his wife was not the sole person tweeting behind that account. It just makes no sense. The style of the, of the typing is totally of like the, the, uh, uh, the way the speech patterns are totally different. The stuff about like obscure players from the '80s, I do not think was his wife, uh, and maybe maybe she's really knowledgeable about mid '80s basketball, but that just did not feel like a uh, uh, Brian Colangelo's wife thing. Um, but I think it would just suck to to know everything, but be stuck with him. Also, we're kind of assuming this is like indefinitely like he has like a lifelong gm appointment at this point right Um, yeah uh or at least that he would like see it out as long as he would have seen it out if this hadn't happened which i think would have been a long time because gms just stick around right for way longer than they should a lot of times um yeah however it would be the the twitter experience would be amazing if there were just some sort of like wikileaks style drop of like all the information uh, that's the thing. I want it to not just be that we can view it and then tweet about it. I'd want everyone to have access to some sort of like document, uh, <laughs> some some sort of some sort of dossier on the Brian Colangelo situation. First of all, you saying things like "I want everyone to have access to the document" is not doing you any <laughs> favors amongst the people who call you Alex Jones. That's that's true. <laughs> um. Yeah, Brian, Brian Colangelo was running the uh, the account out of his basement, out of the basement of a pizza, pizza parlor. He couldn't um, remember tweeting, sending the tweets because he had a big bowl of chili for lunch. <laughs> he wasn't using his, uh, what the fuck is the name of that? Sound like his mega Vitality brain. pills? Yeah, what, yeah. what's, the, what's the, the name of that? Vitalibrain or whatever it is? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a big no from me, from both yeah. of us, I think. Um, I'm moving on to like real questions. Um, Pete, is this Mechia, one about who killed Kennedy? This <laughs> uh, is not is not not that real. Um, okay. Pete, Pete Meschio asked, uh, "What is the number one skill or ability you hope Joel, Ben, Markel, Covington, and Dario each improve upon this season?" Um, <clears throat> if it's just a jumper for Ben or Markel, is there another skill you think is close to as important? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so we can go maybe like one by one through these. Sure. Um, I think for Embiid, turnovers is yes. the biggest thing. Like how to handle double teams and just not not forcing things. I think included in turnovers is that like pump fake and drive that he did last season like 8,000 times and scored yep. like two times off of it and turned the ball over 7,999 times. Yeah. Uh, that would be something I'd like to see removed from his game or like improved upon, which I think was actually something Drew Hamlin said they were working on specifically. Yeah, but I would think say just like turnovers generally. Yeah, yeah, court vision for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we can go a little faster through these since there's five of them. Uh, ben Simmons, I would say, other than the jumper, I, I actually think well, I've said this before, but I think the most important thing is just like finishing around the basket, just like off, especially yeah. offhand finishing, uh, which for him is his left hand, is his offhand in this case. Uh, because he mostly finishes with his right. Uh, very, very like, quick aside. Yeah. Because I think we agree here. Uh, not to get super into it, just even like a one sentence response. If you can only choose to improve one of two things and the other one stays the same as it was last year for Ben, 
would you choose jump shooting or free throw shooting? Oh, de- definitely free throw shooting, I think. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, if he can improve like finishing with his offhand and free throw shooting, I don't even care if he never takes a three-pointer. Like, I, I think he would agree. just be dominant. Um, yep. Markel Fultz, I think, the jumper. But if, if not the jumper, I, I honestly, I don't even know. Like, we just saw so little of him, and the jumper was the only thing really missing. Um, yeah. I thought he was pretty good in everything else. His vision and ball handling was awesome. His defense was pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really think it's just the jumper. I mean, maybe it's a little bit being a little more aggressive offensively. Like, I think part of that was not having a jumper. But right, exactly. there were times last year I thought that he was coming in in the second unit. They were up 20 because they were killing teams at that point, And he just wasn't commanding the ball as much as I wanted him to. And also the idea, I mean, when you're watching him last year, it was like you were seeing a modified version of his game, an incomplete version. So if he has that jumper, then it opens other things up. And also he'll start playing a different kind of basketball. So then you'll really be able to see like, oh, you know, I wish you could improve on this too. But like, you know, it's, it's just such a big question mark still. Um, just his yeah. game in general. With like what, how will he play differently if he's confident in his jumper and what will that look like essentially? Totally. Um, Robert Covington, I would just say like, Basically finishing. I think, uh, I think dribbling. It's, dribbling. Putting the ball on the floor, yeah. yeah. Those are both important skills in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like I see him miss way too often uh, on, like, cuts, to the, like, give-and-go kind of stuff or where he, like, slips a screen or just, like, backdoor cuts and just, like, misses an easy layup inside. Uh, I just feel like that comes up really often, and I don't need him to put the ball on the floor as much. Um, yeah. I, I do need him to, like, finish around the rim if he gets the ball there right um dario uh if i can't if i can't say just getting more foul calls when he's actually fouled because that's not part of his game um i know there's hard it's hard to improve on physically because he's not gonna gonna become quicker um but if you could find some way to become a more effective promoter defender whether that be just reading ball handlers better or you know Get, having a having a, a, a kind of a being more in tune to that first step, so <laughs> your uh, your lack of quickness doesn't hurt you as much, or just kind of getting your body in the way a little more. I think that's huge because there are so many things in his game that he does at least at league average or better, right? And that is not one of them. And I feel like that would be absolutely huge. It would be not super noticeable on him, uh, but I think it would be hugely impactful for the team as a whole. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, other than physical stuff, I'd like to see him. Um, probably I would even say, like, not really even post-defense, just that I think he could be more active, like, the same way, like, Nikola Jokic is, uh, gets a lot of steals and, like, has active hands and just, like, kind of creates a little bit of havoc, even though he's, like, super slow-footed um, yeah. and just kind of plotting. I think Dario could be a little more impactful defensively in that sense just like you know jumping the passing lanes a little bit more getting his hand on ball stripping people inside um i don't really anticipate him being able to like defend on the perimeter or or really stop anyone bigger than him down low just because he's has no verticality but right hey everybody how you doing well that's good my name is bill matz i am the director of fun and games for broad street hockey radio podcasts and i am kelly the Deputy Managing Editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. 
And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers. Um... See what else. Um, Ryan Schick asked, uh, "Will the Sixers be seated higher in the playoffs than the Eagles this year?" Um, adding to, adding on to that, which team makes it further? Oh man. Well, I mean, just looking at history without having numbers in front of me, teams after they win the Super Bowl aren't necessarily locks to get back there or even get back to the playoffs. Now, I do think this Eagles team is very, very good. Um, we don't know when Wentz will be back. We don't know if you know, anything can happen week to week. Any big injury can come across. I think this team is still improved from last year as well. But again, anything can happen week to week. You can have a much better team that does more poorly. Um, and there's you know, the one-game structure in the playoffs. I will say... I'll say the Sixers are seeded higher, but the Eagles make it further because I think the Eagles make it back to the Super Bowl at the very least. And I don't think the Eagles, the Sixers, are making the championship this year. I would say I'm more confident in the Sixers having a higher seed just because um, there's less variability. Like there's 16 right. NFL games, the things Eagles tend are probably to out. yeah things things tend to average out in the NBA, and I, I think that there's a pretty clear top three with the Raptors, Celtics, and Sixers, and I think the Sixers, I would hope, are in that top three. I'm more confident about that happening than the Eagles not having, you know, Carson Wentz taking a while to get back. There being injuries that happen throughout the year, just a couple rough stretches that bring them down to, you know, the, I think they'll probably win win the NFC East, but I could see them you know, going 10 and six or whatever and, and finishing in the four spot. Um, like I see, I see that much more clearly than I see the Sixers dropping down to four or five. Um, yeah. I will say, I think the, the Eagles probably go further. I'm more confident about that. I am um, too. Yeah. But I think getting, I think that mostly that's just because of variability in the NFL versus the NBA. Yeah, I agree. Um, Alex Whitmer asked, why do you think the Sixers have shown no interest in Rodney Hood? Uh, is it more than just his issues during his tenure with the Cavs, especially in the playoffs? Uh, he's arguably the best free agent available, and we desperately need solid bench wings now that Marco and Arsene Sober are gone. I don't know, man. <laughs> Ask their GM. Oh, yeah. wait. Um, um, I, yeah, I honestly don't know. I, I, I mean, it's, here's the thing, though. It's not like the Sixers don't have interest in Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood is still a free agent. Every other team doesn't see that interest in Rodney Hood either. I think it's just that he's a he's restricted in the same way that um, uh, Patrick McCaw is in this this position where he's a restricted free agent. So right. at the end of the day, the, the Cavs can just match anything, and right. the Sixers and, can and only most teams give have four, already spent all of their money. Yeah, and the Sixers can give four million dollars, but I think the Cavs are just waiting waiting it out, and they're just going to match whatever he gets because I, I don't yeah. think anyone's giving him more than the Sixers are. Uh, at that like four point two million dollars, um, I'd like to have him though. I'd take him, take him over whoever else is going to be their fifteenth man. I, I'd take him and just buy out Bayless probably. 
Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, when you're a restricted free agent, though, at this point in the in the offseason, most teams don't have the money to pry you away from somebody unless they're just going to release you or buy you out anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see. Greg Dietz asks, uh, we've seen Markel's hops, Ben's finesse, JoJo's thunder, and Furkan's Darth Vader costume, uh, but who do we think wins the Sixers dunk contest? Oh, shit, man. I think Zaire Smith probably wins it. Yeah, probably. It wasn't even Zyre mentioned. Smith. A healthy Zaire yeah. Smith. A healthy um, Zaire Smith probably wins it. Um, I, I think probably Fultz after that. I yeah. feel more confident. Although I think JoJo would be like would do something cool and like weird. I think Ben, too. I mean, Ben's just so athletic. Yeah. Um. Markel's like Markel yeah. looks good dunking though because he just gets so hot. He's like he gets that so perfect hot, height. Yeah. He's like it's similar to Zaire. He's like that perfect height where it just looks impressive in yeah. a way that Ben Simmons sometimes is more of like an in-game dunker because of his size. Right. Yeah. Definitely not Furkan. Furkan has no shot. Yeah. No. He won Dario. the Euro League or whatever Adriatic yeah. League or uh, Turkish League uh, dunk contest a few years ago by wearing a Darth yeah. Vader costume and doing like a standard rim grazing dunk. All, and who did he catch? It. Who who did he catch the pass from? Oh, who was it? It was Jetty Osman. Oh yeah, Jedi? wearing yeah double yeah, yeah. meanings. Jetty Jedi, come on. Uh, I don't think Dario even makes that out of the consolation brackets first round. Yeah, he would be. He would lose to TJ. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um. Can JJ Redick dunk? No, right. I think he could. Uh, I think he can. Has he ever? Yeah, and I think at Duke he probably did. Yeah, he had to, right? I think he had. Someone tweeted us a video. He's 6'4". Yeah, right, but he has very short arms. That's true. Comparatively, like he's probably has longer arms than I do, you know, comparatively. But for an NBA player, he has short arms. Someone, if someone tweet us a picture or video, if you can find it, or JJ if you're listening, fellow podcaster. Um, prove you can dunk, I guess. <laughs> or you could at one point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to picture it, and it seems so weird to me. Um, okay, moving on. Gustavo Vaselli asked, uh, it's a great name, asked, everyone seems to be very anti-Jamal Crawford, but wouldn't he be a good guy to bring in as a solid veteran leader for Fultz and other young talents? People are focusing on the lack of defense rather than what he could bring to the locker room. Maybe it just isn't worth the MLE, though. Uh, I'll defer that one to you to start off uh, since you're in his hometown. Re- resident Jamal Crawford guy. I-, I love Jamal Crawford. I would be really excited if they brought him in. Like, I don't anticipate him playing a lot or, like, playing right. a huge role. But I think for exactly what he said, like, if you're just going to waste that money anyway, like, bring it in and have Jamal Crawford be a... I, I think also he's a really good mentor for Fultz. They already have a relationship because of the Seattle, you know, University of Washington thing. Um, Fultz has played in his pro-am in the past. Uh, I, I, they've tweeted at each other before and stuff. I, I think it would be positive, too, because they have a similar game or Crawford, um, you know, similarly is, a, you know, kind of microwave scorer who can, you know, uh, shooter but also someone who can put the ball on the floor and all those things i think i think it would be positive for fultz and i think also he's just a good guy he seems like a leader um sure 
I don't, I don't, I don't know why not. Because you're not going to use that MLE probably on anyone anyway. Yeah, I think the answer is sure, especially if you're not going to use that money. Um, but I don't think if you're if you're banking on real minutes from them, then that's a, a losing proposition. I agree. Um, moving on, we have a few more questions left. Uh, John Wintertweet asked asked today in light of, friend of the pod. Uh, Friend of the pod. It asked in light of the uh, uh, Michael Kendricks getting busted for insider trading, he asked which Sixer would be most likely to get popped for insider trading. Dario. I I responded to his tweet and I said Jerry Colangelo, which I think is Dario. I think is a is a uh, uh, maybe unfair answer because he I think technically he's still on their masthead. He's still on their like front office right. list. Uh, and I definitely, it's like without question, Jerry Colangelo is the most likely to get popped for that. Look, um, if Dario knew about the coup in advance, then he can get some info on some short sales. That's that's true. Also, I said that I think short sales is a trading term. I do not know. I, I think so too. I'm not. Don't I'm correct not me. Totally sure. Um. Okay. At BC Collar Hater, I wonder when when he. Uh, Snag that at. Uh, It's like at Andre, man. Yeah. Yes, this might sound kind of ridiculous, but never say never. Is there any shot at all the Sixers can land KD next summer? As he might want a new challenge and all of Golden State's big five, but Steph is off the books next year. Is it possible he can come to Philly? I've been saying this for a couple of years, low key, because of the Todd Wright thing. Because a Todd Wright strength coach, Todd he Wright, who looks like who looks like Kurt Angle, he does. He he worked at Texas when KD was there. Supposedly they have an amazing relationship. I think at the very least they'll get a meeting if he's not just like locked in to go to Golden State. Like when he you know going from OKC to Golden State, I don't think he was ever really considering anything but Golden State. If his, if he has his options open, I think they'll they'll have a meeting. Um, at the very least, just I think because of Todd Wright or. He'll just like they'll just know if I don't like yeah he's not going to come here and it won't be like oh we're not going to waste our time on it so I think it's not crazy but it's probably unlikely. I would say that I, I don't think it's crazy that uh, KD would leave uh, Golden State next summer. Like I don't think that's out of the question at all. I think if they win, I think either way, like I, either if they win a, a third, um. Or they uh, lose in some spectacular fashion. I just think if they win, it's like he might just be like, "All right, this is like LeBron going to Miami. It's like run its course." And even then, it's like three for three. I just feel like it's at that point. At that point, it's just like, what is he gaining in terms of his legacy by staying and just running this out and having everyone hate them and nobody really look at it as super legitimate long term? I just feel like for him, it's like he'll have three, just move on. Um, you know, and and I don't think that place will be Philly, but I think it makes sense for him at that point to, to find something else. Um, yeah. And I think for Golden State, there's there's some value, I think, long term in them um, kind of going back to the bringing back all the guys they have they had before KD, um, and um, uh, uh, just running running that group back. I think I right. think makes some sense, and just uh, kind of letting that group be like the the Spurs of the you know mid two thousands, just kind of yeah, let them age together and ride into the sunset, and they might win another championship with that group. Um, 
<clears throat> but I think the league might step in too, honestly. Like if they win another championship, the league might just be like, we can't, um, we can't keep doing this. Mm. Like we we can't. Yeah, they run it back with the original crew, like the Fleetwood back reunion tour. Yeah, I I just I just think the league the league kind of has to step in if 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 Golden State wins again and KD wants to go back there. I think I think I mean they they're not going to step in and like nullify it for basketball reasons, but I think the league might like behind the scenes be like, look, we we can't. This is bad for the league and bad for everyone. And bad for the bottom line to just keep this going. Is it? But here's the thing, though, and this is going to be a larger discussion. I don't want to get into it. I just want to make my one point and then run away. Is it bad for the bottom line? Hypothetical question. Don't answer it. Let's move on. I, I think I, I know it's hypothetical. I think it is. I oh, think it, I, I think it hasn't been to this point, but I think uh, maybe hasn't been to this point. I mean, you've had two straight finals where you've had a combined nine games. Like, that's not great. Like, a sweep and a 4-1. Like, that, that's not super great for the league, uh, bottom line-wise. Also, I think people are getting really fucking sick of it, and it's turning people off. And I think if it's th- a three-peat, and then he goes back, and then they're right in that same position for the next three years, like, yeah, I think you're. Gonna, I think at that point it becomes problematic, and, and people are just, like, t- tuning out the NBA. That's fine. That's Casual fair. people, I think. And I think that does yeah. hurt the bottom line. Yeah. Um, I think you that's like one it. One or two more? I, I think no, that's it, that actually. All? And that's all we really yeah. had that, that uh, we didn't touch on already. Cool. Yeah. Well, that works for me, man. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, again, let us know. We, we had... Uh, asked for this before a couple people responded or a handful of people responded uh in terms of what day would be best right now we're actually thinking thursday mornings um because the sixers Sixers play a lot of wednesday night games and that way we can do them after games uh not have it uh it kind of sucks to put out a podcast a day of a game and then it's only really fresh for a few hours so we're thinking thursday mornings let us know if that sounds good to you if there's another day that sounds better um what your podcast consumption habits are like on Thursdays. Um, And yeah, but that's our plan moving forward. So a couple Thursdays from now, we'll uh, come out with a new episode. Yeah. Also like subscribe, comment, follow all All those things, stuff, all those things. Can you like, Um, I don't know. Can you like rate, 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 I guess it's rate, rate, listen, subscribe, tell friends. Look, I'll say this, man. I shouldn't say this because I don't actually want it. I don't want this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The last time I checked, like, the iTunes page, since it's the new feed, uh, was, like, a week and a half ago. But when I checked, there were three reviews. Two of them mentioned you. One of them mentioned none of us. None of them mentioned me. And I kind of like it that way. So keep it up, guys. Do your best to not mention me. Definitely do not only mention Jim when you review our podcast on iTunes. See, now, when I said it, like, the tone I had, I'm like, it'll be cool. Like, people will, like, jokingly go out of their way to not mention me. The way you said it, now everyone's going to mention me, like, ten times. Totally. There was there was a tonal difference there. Or, the more likely scenario, nobody will do either of those things. Probably. You know, probably maybe, like, yeah, but, one person will do that. It'd be cool yeah, if all probably, of you did that. I'd, probably I'd John Winter like tweet. Yeah, John Winter tweet, friend of the pod. If you if you could jump in there, uh, mention Jim a bunch of times. 
give us five stars. Yeah. That'd be great. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's it for us, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Later.